Thanks, everybody, for tuning into the short thing here. It is January 25th. Warren Shore, Ryan Silva, as we will talk about the championship games yesterday in the NFL. Lots to talk about regarding uh, those games. There is an epidemic going on in the NFL, and we will touch on that. And it's a big, uh, it's a big, big problem. We'll talk about the fight on Saturday night, little stars, little whatever else. Uh, is out there as well. You can check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and the iHeartRadio app as well. That's going to be the short thing. We'll have uh, an episode out on Thursday. The next week we'll have our Super Bowl props. You know, some pl- people already have their Super Bowl props out. They had them out last night. I took a I took a gander at the at some of the prop bets. There's some I, there's some that caught my eye at the first uh, at the first go around. I mean, that's not that's not a shocker. We're 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 prop heavy uh, podcast when it comes to the Super Bowl. Uh, I hadn't looked at any just yet, but uh, yeah, I mean, I've we we both know we we uh, heavily dabble into the props. Right now, Bavada doesn't have longest punt of the game. We're gonna need to add that. <laughs> I'm gonna need that. You know, I like a good punting Super Bowl prop. Yeah, um, it's an electric factory, but uh, there's a couple already that I've written down. I was like, you know what? Let's uh, let's uh, let's check back. Okay, there's one I want to bring up because. This doesn't make any sense. There's Super Bowl halftime show. It says, what will be the first song played? There's two separate. There's like. There's two separate options. Blinding lights is minus 275 in the first option. And then the second one, it says, what the first song will be played? Blinding lights at plus 450. I'm very yeah. confused on what. It, and there's no specific of like. Um, like if it's a remix or something or like when this when this person comes out or not. Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. I feel like you're just walking into a trap by taking the plus four fifty one when the other one's minus. Like, is it because it's the weekend, but is there a guest? Is there like someone else too coming out? Cause last year was Jennifer Lopez, uh, Shakira, Shakira. They had like three people in there. They only said it's the weekend, right? Uh, as far as I know, yeah, I haven't heard okay. anything else as far as uh, who could be, you know, uh, guest appearing or whatever. Yeah. So why is that? Why are the odds different on those two? That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, got to be a misprint or something. Has to be. Has to be. So, hey, if you want Blinding Lights, you think they're going to go in with the commercial song. I want to hop on that uh, on the second one there. But all right, Ryan, how was your uh, weekend? A lot of baseball, I figure. Uh, actually, yeah, I mean, a little bit, um, you know, obviously with the rain, we had to, uh, we had to call it on practice on Saturday, uh, cause even though we practice on turf fields, uh, balls get wet, kids are slipping around, want to avoid any injury and stuff like that. So, uh, just hanging out, watching football, uh, Jamie and I, I don't know, we haven't, we haven't talked TV in a while pre or you know, when, when pandemic first, first dropped, was- we were obviously heavy, uh, heavy talking about TV and stuff like that. So. We've been we've been watching some shows. I was gonna get it. We could do that on Thursday. Okay. Because I have a couple shows too that I've been meaning to ask you about. Yeah. So we finished up a few. Oh, we finished up um, two of them uh, this weekend, and uh, one of them that we're watching it, it's Your Honor on Amazon Prime. Okay. Yeah. And uh, but they those drop those. Is that good? Uh, it's it's actually really good. It's really good. But they drop episodes every Sunday, but for whatever reason. And so the last two weeks we've been catching up because they had like six or seven episodes out. Gotcha. And so we finally caught up. So this week we were like, all right, Sunday, let's get ready. And uh, for whatever reason, they did not drop one this week. I'm assuming I don't know if it had to do with Championship Sunday or what. So we have to wait till next week for the next installment. So that was have kind you of watched Flight Attendant. Yeah, we that's one of the ones we finished up. Okay. We, well, we need to talk about that on Thursday. 
Okay. I've got takes on flight attendant. I got takes too. Um, so we'll save that. We'll save that for Thursday. Um, and then have you watched industry? Not yet. I think that's the next one we're going to be watching. Okay. That's not bad. I'm halfway through it. It's, it's not bad. Um, I've been like alternating. I'll watch one episode of flight attendant and then an episode of industry, which I don't know if you want to do that because they're completely opposite. Yeah. Um, but we'll get into, we'll get into, uh, flight attendant on Thursday because I've got some takes on the, uh, (laughs) (laughs) I've got some takes on the show. Okay. Um, but all right, let's get into the football and yesterday's, uh, games. So we got the Super Bowl Packers Bucks. Look, you could say this this is probably the most high profile matchup you could have gotten. I know Packers and Aaron Rodgers against Mahomes, but Brady Mahomes, they faced each other two years ago in the AFC championship game. They played last year, not in the playoffs, but in the regular season. So this is probably the best matchup you could have gotten, wouldn't you agree? Uh, yeah, I think so. Uh, well, I don't know. I, I, think, like, I think the Packers and Bucks sorry, are on the same level, but the Brady... The Brady-Mahomes matchup? Yes. Yeah, I mean, that by... I don't know. Is I mean, you could have gone either way. Yeah, I don't think you could have gone wrong either way with if it was, if it was the Chiefs and whoever else from the NFC. I don't think you could have gone it wrong either way. I, I agree. I, I'll agree with that. I, I will say my thought before we get into the Bucks-Packers. My thought during the Chiefs-Bills game was that if we could have, if the Browns could have just beaten Chan Henney, we would be in the Super Bowl. We'd, we'd be going to the Super Bowl. I disagree with that. I know you're hot on the Bills. The Bills did nothing on offense all game yesterday. They struggled very much so, very much so. But I, I still think, I think it's a, I, you know, a, you, I thought after the fumble, I mean, I know we're kind of getting ahead here, but I think after that fumble that uh, the Chiefs had and that the Bills promptly scored on, um, you know uh, that that should have been a turning point where Buffalo really took off, but I I disagree. If if the Browns beat the Chiefs, I, I think we're looking at, at Bills Bucks. But the Bills hadn't played well pretty much all playoff, like hadn't played up to what they had been in the regular season all playoffs. Yeah, but I mean, I just the 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 factor of the Chiefs offense and how quick strike they are is, uh, you know, or how quickly they can flip the field on you, I think was the, was one of the big determining factors last night. I'm not disagreeing, but I'm just saying from the whole, how the bills have played in the playoffs. I texted all my friends on that Saturday night game against the Ravens of saying if the Browns beat the chiefs tomorrow. They're going to the super bowl. Like the bills are a beatable team and they did not like what they did not look like the team they did coming down at the end of the regular season against the Colts which they were beatable against the Colts. The Colts made some mistakes. And then the Raven, against the Ravens, they were sitting ducks there, and Lamar made the biggest mistake of the game, and they took advantage of it. All right. I mean, yeah, I mean, you have, you have your opinion. It may be wrong, yes. but you have your opinion. <laughs> I, don't <think> it's, <laughs> I don't think it's wrong. But, uh, uh, but yeah, okay. We'll get to that game in a second. But that was my thought during that game. The, the Bucks packers game, boy, this was – do we start with the field goal? I think you almost have to. You have to. Have to. I there and this this leads into the Bills Chiefs. There is an epidemic breaking out of coaches just fascinated with getting points on the board instead of taking a risk of and and the Bills is different because they didn't have this glaring 
this glaring like eight points two minutes ago, what do you got to do? Mm-hmm. But in that sense, in the Bills Chiefs sense, you're not keeping up with the Chiefs by kicking field goals. And how, as LaFleur, how can you kick that when you 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 have, you have the ball? Like, mm-hmm. You're not going to get the ball back. I mean, I don't understand how, as a coach, you can make a dumb decision like kicking the field goal there and then make the smartest decision a coach can make the next play when it's second and one and you just jump off sides. Like how can you go from just, just mush as a brain on the field goal and then say, you know what, this is what we have to do to prolong the game. Like that's a smart decision to go off sides on second and one. Like how can you, how can you have those two coaching moments in a span of five minutes? And I just, I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. Yeah, it was a it was a head scratcher because no matter the outcome, you still needed a stop and you still needed to score a touchdown, right? I mean that that was the biggest thing. Like you kick a field goal, you still you're still down five. Uh, not, yeah, that, you're not tying it up with a field goal. Exactly. Uh, so you still need it, to, or or bringing yourself. It's not like you know you're kicking a field goal and now you can tie it with a field goal again or go ahead with the field goal. Like you still need a stop and you still need to score a touchdown. Um, so you know, obviously that decision was was the biggest bonehead decision uh you know leading up to that to that field goal is Aaron Rodgers trying to force the ball into Devontae rather than r- running the ball and I don't know that he gets in to the end zone um you know they they you've seen the screenshots which it's easy to take a screenshot of a, of a moment and uh and be like oh look how wide open it was but he's probably down around the three or four yard line if he get if he doesn't get in uh so then you have a very short manageable you know fourth and goal um so you know there there was a couple mistakes now i can't i can't blame rogers for not running it you know you have one of the top wide receivers in the league you guys have been humming he did force it but i think you know i I think if he could play it back and run it back he would definitely you know at least try to scramble for a few more yards but yeah i mean the the field goal is is just so dumb the getting the points on the board that's fine early in the game but when you're within five minutes, like I want to try to get as many points on the board as possible. You know what I mean? Like I'm trying, I'm trying to get seven. I'm trying to get eight. I'm trying to get however many I need to make sure that I'm in the position uh, to either tie the ball game so I can't lose or obviously go ahead and win it. Uh, but when you're turning the ball back over to Tom Brady and that offense, those weapons, Gronk, Cameron Brate. I mean, you, you saw the last eight seconds you got burned by Scotty Miller. You don't think he, they're going to draw some up for him again? Uh, obviously, Mike Evans had a bad case of the drops in that second half, but still, uh, you know, Chris Godwin, like you're, you're that. Those are the guys who you're turning the ball over. Leonard Fournette, who's been eating your lunch for most of the game and has been playing well the entire playoffs. Like I don't understand how Matt Lafleur and you could say, oh, he trusted his defense to get a stop. That's all fine and well, but you're playing the best quarterback of all time. He's on the other side, and he's got unlimited amount of weapons to get the ball out, to uh, you know pound the ball if he needs to with Leonard Fournette. Sure, you have all three timeouts, but then you give up nine yards on the first play. Give up the ten. Give up the ten and let him get let him get the first down. Well, they uh, ended up getting it. They get, they took the penalty, which was smart. Right. No, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, fine. You know, after that, they they did they did do that. So you know, it it, it is what it is. But still, uh, these coaches, and this is what I've been saying about analytics. Like, sure, analytics said that kicking the field goal isn't a terrible idea. But you have got to go by feel of the game. Like you've got to yeah. go by how the game is going. You've got to go with game situation. Like kicking that field goal in no way, shape, or form was a smart idea. 
that you cannot take a shot at analytics there by saying it was okay. I don't think LaFleur it was, was look at the look at the numbers. It was a look, nine it was like a nine percent uh uh chance that you win if you if you kick the field goal or a ten percent chance to win if you uh go for it. So it's like, oh well there's it's right there. Might as well get points on the board. I'm gonna take a shot at analytics because that's why he did it. Did he say he did it because that's what the chart said? I don't know if he came out explicitly and said it, but I mean, there was plenty of charts out there on, on the internet of saying, Hey, look that, yeah, it was stupid, but look at, look at, uh, again, the probability of, of conversion, the probability of tying it up, whatever it is, you know, whatever the different numbers or, uh, or, or categories are that it turned out that if you go by the numbers and go by the charts, there was only a, a it was like I said, 10% chance to win. If you go for it, 9% chance to win. If you kick the field goal, but even, even the most analytical people on Twitter were shocked that he kicked the field goal like even the people that have that pound the table for analytics were just like how can you kick the field goal there so blaming that i have done an analytics blame i you can't blame analytics on that because i can and i will that's fine you're wrong because every analytics person on twitter was going was going bananas that they why are they kicking the field goal and the whole thing is, is people think everything you do is analytics, 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 and the good coaches intertwine analytics with with game situation and everything and everything like that. But and that I thing, can agree with. That I can agree with. And that's that's been my whole point of analytics is you need to use both. Use your head and use analytics. And guess what? Analytics most of the time are going to be pretty smart. But when it comes down to that type of situation, you got to trust your head and say, you know what? We need to score a touchdown here. And and go, kicking the field goal is going to be stupid. And the thing, too, is it's like, oh, you need to get a stop. It's not you need to get a stop. You need to get a three and out. It's not, oh, they can march down the field. We don't need to give up any points. It's you need to get a three and out when is, is, is what your defense needs, okay? So it's different from the, from the, oh, a stop. When you say a stop, it's, we just need to force a punt. We can maybe let him get two, a first down or two first down, not give up any 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 points you need a three and out in that situation and that third down play call that little reverse flip to god beautiful play they didn't even see it come a great great play they just ran it three times like you knew was going to happen that was a great great design to get that uh third down play but i i just the the packers brady gave that game on a platter to the packers in the second half just served it up on a platter and said hey Green Bay, here you go. You could go to the Super Bowl right now. I've thrown three picks in the second half. I've thrown three picks and three consecutive drives. Here you go. It's on a platter for you. And you know what the Packers did? They couldn't do anything. I saw Scott Van Pelt last night on SportsCenter said, the Packers this season, off of turnovers, they've gotten 16. Uh, they've had, they lead the league in, in uh, points off turnovers. Or 16 drives, they've got points on, touchdowns on like almost every drive off a turnover. The one time they didn't do it was at the end of the game when they took a knee three times. Yesterday, after the first touch, after the first pick, they go down, score a touchdown. After those next two interceptions, they go three and out. It's the first time they went three and out after a turnover every single uh, in any game this year. And that's a credit to the Bucks' pass rush. The pass rush for the Bucks yesterday had Rodgers and just messed up the whole flow of the Packers offense. They had no answers for it. Shaquille Bear on Wagner was abusing him all day. They had no answers for that uh, Bucks pass rush. And the Bucks defense clearly won them the game because the Brady gave that game on a platter to him in the, in the second half yesterday. 
Yeah, he wasn't very good in that second half. He was overthrowing guys. Uh, even that throw to Mike Evans, it went off his hands. But it's still, high. yeah, it was high. Um, so, you know, he was missing some throws. But I agree. That front seven was just getting after uh, uh, Aaron Rodgers over. I mean, like you said, there, there was, they showed that one get off where uh, Shaq Barrett had it uh, timed up perfectly. And, and the, the right tackle didn't even move. And he was already by him. And he was he was chasing Shaq Barrett uh, to, to get to Aaron Rodgers. So, uh, you know, Via Veda and, and that the, the two ta- the two D tackles up the middle were getting, you know, and Dominican Sue, they were getting plenty of pressure up the middle to force them uh, to, to move around. So, you know, that, that defense was very, very good. Um, Devin White just seems to always be around the ball. Uh, you know, the two, fir- the two uh, fumbles forced on, on Aaron Jones from big hits, they, you know, the, the Bucks only get one back. But still, they, they were flying around. They were playing really good defense. And I agree uh, that, uh, they, that they were probably the uh, driving force of that victory uh, yesterday. Because, like you said, the, the, the two turnovers uh, that they went three and out on, it's like once those turnovers happen, it's like, okay, this is going to be Green Bay. They go down, and they're going to score, and they're going to get control of this game. And they just couldn't do it. They just had nothing to g- clicking offensively, which was shocking. And I think Aaron Rodgers was trying to force to Devontae Adams a little too much there at the end where he had plenty of options uh, you know, to, to get to other guys, Tunyon, uh, uh, St. Brown, guys like that, Valdez Scantling. So I mean he I think he, you know sometimes he was trusting Devontae a little too much but they were they were covering him you know sometimes he was double covered he was you know had in heavy heavy pressure but uh uh you know everyone wants to point fingers at the uh that that pass interference late in the game but it's like that was very clearly pass interference. He holds the 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 shirt. Does the wide receiver embellish it a little bit? Yeah, absolutely, but that's what you got to do in that in that situation to try to draw a call. I will say this on that pastor. The thing, the biggest problem that I had was that they weren't calling defensive holding all game. And I get that was a pass interference. That was a hold. He was grabbing the jersey. But they weren't calling anything all day. Like the Bucks should have been flagged for pass interference on the interception they had before the half that set up the Scotty Miller touchdown. That was a blatant pass interference call. There were probably many more defensive holdings that they didn't show a replay on the entire game that that happened throughout the game. They didn't call. They were letting them play all game long. And so in the moment, you've let them play all game long. And yes, you. I think with how the game was officiated, you have to know. You you got to no call that because there were plays throughout the game earlier that could have been pass interference that you didn't call. And then that one at that time you call it. I I would have liked for there to have been a no-call because of how they were officiating the game the whole way. Call it one way. If you're not going to throw a flag on anything pretty much, then guess what? Don't call a flag. Don't Let's not change it up on the last play of the game, even though that was, that was a penalty, and he did sell it. See, that's shocking to me because you're Mr. Uh, if it's a penalty, call the penalty. You know, when, when, when people say you can't make that call at that point in the game, you're always saying, well, it doesn't matter what point of the game is. If it's a penalty, it's a penalty. That was a penalty. That absolutely was a penalty, and I understand what you're saying about how the game was called, but I think that was, you know, the plays going there, all eyes are on there. Like, that, I think I think the correct call was made, and I think that's the, you have to make that call. If I think it would be a little more egregious if they didn't make that call. Well, shouldn't it be just as egregious if they didn't make the call on the pass or on the Oh, I agree. I agree, yeah. I mean, there, there, was, a, there was quite a few. There was quite a few, like you say, but, uh, you know, Again, the human element of of what is we uh, we've seen as officiating in sports, for sure. I'm just saying, I understand why you're surprised. I'm saying, but 
I just go the way that they call the whole game. And if they're calling that, you know what? They're calling it. And it's, that's, you call it, call it. My whole thing with the refs is call it how you would have called it in the first quarter as it would at the end of the game. And guess what? In the first quarter, they weren't calling that. They were letting it go. But in the fourth quarter, they in the last play of the game, the last meaningful play of the game, they decided to call it. Mm-hmm. So, even though it was, um, even though it was the, uh, even though it was the right call, and then the Packers also, they were terrible in the red zone. They, they, they shot themselves in the foot too. Within the second quarter, when they had that, when they had first and goal, they they don't get anything. Rodgers and Adams are just a touch off. Um, they were not. They were not sharp in the red zone, and that's that's. They they probably should have won that game the way it, the, the way it played out with all their miss all their missed opportunities and then just blatantly credit to Bruce Arians. Look, I was worried. I thought Bruce Arians was going to mess it up um, somehow. And I like Arians as a coach. I just I don't know something's been shaky. But tr- credit to Arians for trusting Brady for going for it on fourth down at the end. I thought people were like. They were so shocked they went for it. And I was like, why would you not go for it? I get you have no timeouts. Take a shot deep. Maybe you get something. And if you don't, the Packers have a timeout. What you're you're trusting, you're saying, hey, go get 15 yards to kick a field goal. I'll take my chances with that in one play um, with any time on the clock. But that was that was Arians trusting his guy. And and that that was pretty much the decider in the football game. Yeah, I mean it ended up being. Right, yeah, it ended up being, yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, and then the whole, I don't, okay, we got to talk about Brady. The whole, and this will intertwine with Belichick because they're going to intertwine their whole careers with Belichick. How can Belichick let that guy go? Like, seriously. Yeah, yeah not, not looking like the best decision right now. It didn't look like a good decision last year. Mm-hmm. The whole thing about Brady was you give him some weapons and he's going to be, he's going to be playing pretty well. Like, what didn't we say? Like they had no weapons with who was the best. Edelman was their best receiver. But other than that, who was their outside threat? Nikhil Harry, Josh Gordon, before he got suspended. Like who was their other guy other than Harry last year? Do we even know? Remember? Yeah, no, I don't know. What was the whole thing? You give Brady some weapons. He's going to be, he's going to be fine. You know what? We, they gave him a ton of weapons. And look, he's back in the Super Bowl. Some might say too many. Some might say too many. And guess what? Yesterday helped with having too many weapons because with Antonio Brown, we both said it. If When he's out, you're not even going to miss a beat. It's not like Antonio Brown has been a huge part of the offense, but that's still another weapon out there. Like too many weapons, you, you're able for a guy to go down. Gronk caught one pack. Gronk has been a non-factor this whole playoffs pretty much. Yeah. Like he has, he's just been used as a blocker the whole time. So how Belichick, as a personnel man, he's been trying to get Brady to leave for like five years now. He would rather had he would have rather had Garoppolo over Brady and Robert Kraft had to step in. Like Belichick just wanted to end Brady's reign in, in New England so much long ago than just one year, and he finally got his wish. And now Brady's in the Super Bowl, and Belichick's holding his bag with a big bag of nothing after going eight and eight with horrendous quarterback play. And no weapons on offense trying to figure out where they go next. Like that is as an ex- not a coach, as an executive, because he is the GM, the player personnel executive. If if I mean that's a that's a shocking, a shocking misevaluation of talent and of your own personal hubris 
of my system is so good. We'll get anybody in here and we'll succeed. And that's not the case. Yeah, definitely not. I mean, you, you, you got to look at it this way, though. I mean, Belichick has been right so many times. Uh, you know, in the the old cliches, oh, he'll he'll let a guy go one year early rather than one year late. Um, and you know, for the majority of the t- majority of the time, he he ends up being correct. Now, it, does this one decision overshadow all the other ones because Brady makes it back to the Super Bowl, possibly, and because the Patriots didn't even make the playoffs and even sniff the playoffs and had such poor quarterback play? Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a, again definitely could could overshadow a lot of those good decisions, but. Look, I mean, you're going to be wrong every once in a while. Uh, so, you know, it, it's, it is what it is. Um, I think, obviously, if Belichick could go back, he'd probably make the same decision. He'd probably tell you of different. Course. He'd probably say, hey, no, I, I like the decision. I stand by it. But he would definitely go back in and change it. But, uh, yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's definitely it's, it's mind-boggling that he, that he made that decision, that he was – but at the same time, too, how much of it was his decision and how much of it was Tom Brady's decision? To I leave? think it was all Belichick. You Bel- think you're why would Brady want to leave New England? He's always said he's wanted to stay there. Yeah. I don't why know. would he want to leave New England? Well, don't you think if you're a if you're a player that's won six Super Bowls and has been to nine there, why would you want to leave that place? You wouldn't. And he's made it clear for what seven years that he wants to play till he's at least 45 years old. Uh-huh. Like this is not a this is not a shock that Brady is what 42, 43 right now. Yeah, it's not a shock that he wants to play till he's been forty five. He's been saying it for the last five six years. Like I'm going to play till I'm forty five. I'm doing this TB twelve method so I could prolong my career and play till I'm forty five years old. Like this is not this is not like breaking new stuff here. It's just that Belichick's like, all right, I'm done with him. Like everything you read read from New England was like, I am done with Brady. I I want to I want to move on from him. And honestly, it should come on craft to say, you know what? No, we we're sticking with this guy. Like this is a this is our this is the quarterback. You know how hard it is to find a quarterback. This guy's won six Super Bowls for us. Why are we letting him go? Like it's and Kraft's like, well, I guess I got to keep. I think it's easier to find a quarterback than it is to find a head coach. So I'll keep Belichick. I guess I don't know. I just don't get how you can let that guy, that legend. Just, just leave, and you've been trying to force him out for, for, uh, for four or five years. Like, go read uh, all those ESPN Patriot articles of how, yeah, Belichick wanted Garoppolo and was ready to trade Brady and ever whatever, and then, and then, um, and then Kraft's like, no, we're keeping, we're keeping Brady, and Brady just got fed up with it, and he's like, I'm out of here. See you later. I just, I but. I just I the Belichick and and the problem is I was trying to talk to this to my roommate because he's a Patriots fan yesterday. And if you talk one thing about the Patriots after you've read a lot of stuff on the topic, he'll be like, You don't know what you're talking about. And saying, Oh, Brady just wanted to leave. It was Belichick would never do that. I'm like, Well, yes, it is. Read all these people in Boston. They're the people, the writers of Boston are going after Belichick today for letting Brady leave. They're not going after Brady. They're going after Belichick. Well, you know, the big, a lot of the big story, too, was that he wanted to go back to San Francisco, right? Go play at home. That was the number one option. And I can't believe that San Francisco wouldn't want to bring him back over Garoppolo. Just, yeah. just trade the guys again. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if he goes back to the Super Bowl with San Francisco. Uh, you know, they had a ton of injuries this year. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know. 
I don't know if Gronk comes back to play with them and the other George Kittle there. Uh, you know, I think a lot of factors going, like you said, Gronk really hasn't been a huge factor, even most of the season, you know, he was still trying to put a lot of weight on trying to get back into playing shape uh, right up until the, I, I'd say maybe the later half or latter quarter of the season, he kind of came back on. Um, but I don't know that San Francisco makes the Super Bowl with Tom Brady this year. Um, you know, it's kind of the, the stars just aligned for him that, down in Tampa Bay, but uh, it obviously is turning out to be, to be the right decision for Tom. Um, I think Bruce Arians finally realizing that, that he needs to turn over some control to Tom Brady was a good idea. And plus it took some of the blame off of his back, which I think he really enjoyed. Um, but like, like you, you go back and mention, you mentioned that Chris Godwin, uh, first down with the little double reverse, you know, going in motion pitch play or whatever. That's not a Bruce Arians play. You know, I don't even know that's a Byron Leftwich play. I guarantee you Tom Brady or, or, you know, maybe him and, and Byron Leftwich kind of combine on that and see Kansas City runs something very similar with Tyreek Hill and, and put that in. That's not a Bruce Arians play. You know, he, he, he turned over a lot of control to Tom Brady. And I, I think Tom had some of that control with Josh McDaniels and stuff at the line uh, in New England. But I think this year he finally got to kind of use his mind a little bit, not just his physical ability when playing quarterback. Well, I don't think Bruce is calling plays. It's Leftwich and Brady that are calling. Like, Leftwich is calling all the plays. But yeah, I know, but but as far as, like, an offensive system, right? Yeah, well, I think, yeah, I think they've said, hey, we're going to use what Brady, what what stuff you liked in in New England, and we're going to use some of what we're doing down here and try and intertwine. I think that's why they got off to, what, a 7-5 and five start? Yeah. Because they're still trying to figure out how to implement stuff. They had no offseason and all that whole. What, everyone's, what, what, what you all say is there's been no offseason, no training, all this blah blah blah, and then they after their bye like they had a bye week in week twelve, the latest bye week in the league. Then they haven't they haven't lost since, and they've and they've uh, and they've the offenses looked fantastic. Gronk though, we say Gronk hasn't been a fact. He's been a good block. Like he's in every down blocking. Oh yeah, like he, he has been. The the factor is in the passing game. He has right. been a, pretty much a non factor in the passing game. Like he is doing a ton of blocking at the line. Like he is still a factor in the offense just as a blocker, not really as a, as a, as a pass catcher. So yeah. that should not be unnoticed that he's doing a lot of work in, and they're not. And then we got the Packers after the game, Aaron Rodgers lighten, lighten up the Packers organization and not lighting him up and saying, I need time to, uh, to reassess my future. I don't know a lot of unknowns going on here. If you're Aaron Rodgers, how mad are you at the front office and that whole organization for you go 13 and three last year and get beat in the NFC championship game and you have a strong wide receiver class. You're, you're clearly lacking some more receiving. You, you need some more offensive weapons. And you had all those options, T. Higgins, LaVisca Chenault, all the all Chase, Chase Claypool, Crybaby uh, Chase still there. All these guys still there, and you draft a quarterback. And then in the second round, you draft A.J. Dillon when you got two pretty solid running backs. Like, just no help at all. And you know what happens? You have the same results you did last year, 13-3 and season, and a loss in the NFC Championship game. Like, I, Joe Thomas said today on Twitter that he doesn't think Rodgers is going anywhere, and what he said uh, yesterday was more of a shot at the GM and the executive team for the Packers of saying, I need to figure out my future because they mishandled a lot of mystery unknowns of his, 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 um, just one more step in the, his unsatisfactory plans or 
not happy with the management of what they did in the draft. Yeah, I mean, I I, I kind of had a uh, you know an idea of. And it, I don't think this was the case, but it was kind of more tongue in cheek of maybe because, uh, I mean, we, we see Aaron Rodgers come off his best year of his career at 37, uh, you know, not only in statistically, but just on the field, the way he looked. Um, but, uh, you know, maybe the Packers were I, I said maybe the Packers were playing chess, not checkers in drafting Jordan Love, knowing that this would light a fire under uh, under Aaron Rodgers. But there's no way they're taking that risk. Right. But uh, you're, you're absolutely right. There is plenty of, of help out there for them to get for him. They just didn't. Uh, and, you know, when they have guys like um, Darnell Savage and Jared Alexander who are absolutely are, are sick in the secondary, I mean, very good. And then they have the Smith brothers, Zaire and Preston, and, uh, you know, a couple of these other dudes uh, up front that are getting the job done on that defense. All you need is a couple weapons for him. And, they, you know, this could have been a totally different story. I think they found a diamond in the rough with Robert Tunyon. They weren't expecting to have that, but, hey, that worked out. So you add one other guy, uh, you know, on the other side of Devontae Adams, and I think you're cooking. I think you're looking at, at possibly an even better year uh, for, for Aaron Rodgers. So I don't know what, what this front office was thinking. I don't know what, uh, what, uh, you know, their, what their mindset was or thought process, but it obviously was the wrong decision, whatever, whatever they were thinking. And uh, it's just kind of funny because Aaron Rodgers, he will. He'll tell you, like, you know, whether, whether he's serious or not, saying, yeah, I don't know if I'm coming back. You know, I, don't, I need to take some time to, to – uh, you know, evaluate things. It you know he he won't he won't pull any punches. He'll he'll let you know how he's feeling. Yes, no, he won't. So, look, I don't think he goes anywhere. But he that just adds more intrigue to the quarterback carousel that's going to be this offseason, which is going to be, I think. So Thursday we'll talk TV. Next Monday we need to take a look at the quarterback carousel. Look, potential names out. It is going to be a frantic offseason for quarterbacks. There's going to be a ton of movement. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you I'll tell you uh Washington Twitter was uh lit up for Matt Stafford and then after last night's game that's quickly shifted to hey, how do we get Aaron Rodgers in here? Uh, yeah, so they're off to Sean Watson, went to Matt Stafford and now on Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Um <laughs> Uh, look, I'm surprised more people in Cleveland aren't saying, you know what, we got to try and make a run at Deshaun Watson or Rodgers. I would do that in a heartbeat. Absolutely, you have to. You have to. You clearly have to do it. But whatever, we'll get more into that next Monday. We'll we'll take a look at the the, the quarterback, uh, at the quarterback carousel. All right, and then to the second game. Another problem of coaches settling for field goals, as we said, the epidemic of settling for points. The Bills and the Chiefs. The Bills got out to a nine nothing lead. I I don't know what you thought, Ryan. Maybe you thought the Bills had a chance. I thought after it was nine nothing. I didn't. I was like, oh, the Bill. This will be a heartbreaker for the Bills. That was not a heartbreaker. They got outclassed by the Chiefs. The whole they. Josh Allen did not play well. He he did not play well. And 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 McDermott, I thought coach coach scared both both field goals of of going for of taking the points one in the first quarter one in the at the end of the first half or the one at the end of the first half and then early on in the second half settling for like you're you're not when do these coaches need to realize that you need to go for touchdowns and not taking i'd rather come away with seven than then fine i'll take zero but you know what i went for seven fine like stop taking these 29 yard field goals it's 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 ridiculous yeah, no, I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. And, and the other thing too that that 
I think it's worth noting. I think everyone kind of realizes, but we just, you just sometimes you got to say it is who is on that other sideline? Who are yeah. you playing? I mean, like, like we said in the, in that first game, you have the greatest quarterback to ever lace up a pair of cleats and step onto a field playing uh, on the other side. The, right now you have the best quarterback in the league playing against you and, and one of the best offenses we've seen. Uh, so you got to take that into consideration. If you got, you know, with all due respect, if you got Mitchell Trubisky on the other side, or you or got Chad Henney, or Chad Henney, or you know, uh, you know, even the Chad Henney thing, because he still has so many other guys around him. But you know, you, yeah, you, but it's Chad a, Henney. If you have a subpar offense on that other sideline, then I think you know it's not going to be as scrutinized. But when you are not only playing one of the best, the, the best quarterback in the league, one of the best offenses in the league, and you're playing for a trip to the Super Bowl, you got to put your nuts on the table and say, hey, look, we're going for it. It's, you know, if we go out swinging, fine, but that's better than, you know, laying down and letting them pet our bellies and, and just kicking a field goal. Like, you got to go, like I said, put your nuts on the table and show them, hey, we're here. We're going to try to make a, make a case for this thing. We're going to take a shot at this thing. We're not just going to go down easy. And it's also different of, hey, you know, maybe if your defense showed a little resistance. That too, exactly. Like, like we're able to like, hey, you know what? We actually are capable of getting a couple stops here. Then I could say, you know what? We're, we, we might. We might try and kick a field goal, but when your defense after the first quarter had shown that you were incapable of slowing them down at all, like they could not slow down any. Let Travis Kelsey catch those 10-yard passes. Oh, that's fine, but you know what? If you let Travis Kelsey get 11 catches for 100 and – or 13 catches for 110 yards or whatever he had, fine, I'll take that. But you cannot let Tyreek Hill get 170 yards on 10 catches or 9 yeah. catches. You have to let one guy work and and then let the other guy and let try and then double take the other guy out of the game. Like you got to pick your poison on one of them and they let mm-hmm. both of them kill him. Yeah. Uh, but that's another thing too. Like they just couldn't, could not stop them. So like I said, if, if your defense was able to just try and, and, and if they were capable of showing that they could get some stops and fine with, with one of the field goals, but they were just, they're not capable. And it was, it was clear pretty much from the second quarter on, like like the the touchdown they got was off the off the muff punt uh, that they had it done at the three. They they really the Bills were really outclassed yesterday. Yeah, uh, I mean I think this is a great case of of uh, you know I don't know I don't know that the Bills are there too early, but that they still have a ways to go, right? Like they like you 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 saw that you could get to this point. But you do still have a ways to go to be able to get past this point. Uh, you know, you always hear about like when Oklahoma City went to the finals, like, oh, they were a little early with it, you know, things like that. Whereas I don't know that Buffalo was early with getting here. I just think that they realized that, hey, look, in order to beat the best and to be the best, like we have a long way to go into being somewhere where we feel comfortable uh, in these late game situations. But the problem is, is that the Chiefs aren't going anywhere. Yeah. Like that's the whole thing. They're not going anywhere. Like you have to beat them. To go to the Super Bowl, because why should I? Why should we not expect that the Chiefs host the AFC Championship game for like the next seven years in a row? Yeah, yeah. Unless Mahomes gets hurt, or and someone goes, someone goes twelve and four and they beat him in a top. Like, why should you not expect that you're going to have to beat Kansas City to go to the Super Bowl? So, it's not of like uh, if whatever of the you came to, you came to this moment too early. It's how are we going to beat these guys? Yeah, because they're standing in the way of going to the Super Bowl, and it the there's no this is not this is not going to be like the Warriors in 2015, like their run 
when you're like, oh, well, you know what? We think KD is going to leave after this year. Things will, things will turn around and, and we'll have a chance to, uh, we'll have a chance to make the finals or he gets hurt. This is a, this guy's going to be here forever. And Travis Kelsey, what he's 30, but he doesn't look like he's slowing down. Tyreek Hill doesn't look like he's slowing down. And they, those are like, think about this. Those are their only two pretty much wide receiver weapons. Like what if they get better receivers? Yeah. Complimenting Hill and, and Kelsey. What if like, cause Pringle and Robinson, like those guys are fine, but they're not. What if they do get another like really good guy in the draft? Like that's the scary thing. They can improve on offense. Yeah, no, that's you're you're right. I mean, like you said, that all their all their wide receivers are kind of similar, right? These small, shifty, fast guys. Like, what if they get like a big target, you know, like a, like a Mike Evans or you know someone someone of the likes like that? So that you're absolutely right. Like they could still get better. Uh, we'll see what kind of strides Edwards Alaire makes going forward because he started off hot, but really tap- tapered off there at the end. Obviously, the injuries uh, banged him up a little bit. So that is that is you know. A good point. It, 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 again, you mentioned Golden State. It was like after Golden State uh, lost to uh, the Cavs, it was like, well, hey, they they have enough money to bring in KD. You know, they could get better, and that was after they won seventy two games. And sure enough, they did. And so that that's again three or whatever. Yeah, uh, they uh, you know, so that that's a very good possibility of of them happening of that happening. And you know, I think uh, Andy Reid. You know, he I, he gets a lot of credit for the on-field coaching he does, you know, for the play call and things like that. I think he's very sneaky underrated for an eye for talent of guys he brings in. Yeah. Yeah. He, and and the, the defense, really, again, as I said, I don't think he got enough credit in the Browns game, the, the Chiefs defense. I they, they are the team. They're scrappy. Like I know that's such a used cliche, but they are they they are scrappy. They just get they get around. They play fast. Some they just turn it on in the playoffs. Like seriously, like the, they'll probably do the same thing next year in the regular season. Of you know what, they'll go fourteen and two late late in the season. They'll they'll get bored and they'll they probably won't cover a bunch of games. And then everyone they'll get the buy and everyone will be like, well, you know what? Maybe that. Well, I wonder if they can flip the switch again on the defensive side. As we've just seen the last two years, they do it. And then people will be like, oh, maybe, you know what? It's been close, like the trap we all fell in. And you know what? It's not really close. They can flip the switch on the defensive side. And there you go. They're going to be in the Super Bowl again. Yeah. Like, I think we all can see, like, that defense just turned it around. And they just started playing harder or whatever it was. Um, and they shut down Josh Allen. They, they, they did a good job of taking out Diggs. Diggs was a non-factor Yeah. Uh, yesterday. And, and they, they, that, that game was over at halftime. I thought, did you think it was over at halftime? Uh, yeah. I mean, when, 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 I don't think it was 21 straight, but they put up 21 points in the second quarter. I was like, okay, yeah, this is, this is getting out of hand early. Um, so I knew that the bills were going to have to come out and get a score, get a touchdown coming to that second half and they get, they get three measly points. I was like, okay. So I actually turned the game off after that Josh Allen interception in the third quarter. Um, and they, uh, they were driving to make it an eight point game. They did. Right. Point. Exactly. And then, and then, so once, once he, once he threw that pick, I was like, okay, yeah, this is a wrap. Uh, I knew I I had seen this, this game plenty of times. I've seen the story play out many a times. And I was like, yeah, this is uh this is a wrap on this one. You missed the brouhaha. I did miss the brouhaha. I saw it on Twitter, but uh, I did miss that. But it seems like that was the only thing I really missed. That was, yeah, that was a look, both teams were at fault there, but don't let's not throw the ball at a dude's helmet. I don't want to be that guy, but you know what? That situation is is not 
escalating to a mini brouhaha if you don't throw the football at the guy's helmet. Especially with Josh Allen's arm. That could have been attempted murder. <laughs> yeah. Well, did you see – I don't know if you were still watching, but he had that play – Maybe it was before the interception when he was going out of bounds, like falling down. He threw that sucker 50 yards in the air, like from his hip, like yeah. falling down. Do you know which one I'm talking about? Yeah. That was unbelievable. And that just went like over Nance and Romo's. Like, I was like how about we, like, can we not just go back and look at that? How he just flicked the wrist going down. He's got no body and he just throws it out of the back of the end zone from there. Like, that was unbelievable. Yeah. No, it was. It was. Uh, it's It's ridiculous how, you know, how strong that arm is. It, it, it's, it's a joke, but it really is unbelievable what this stuff um, he can do. And there was one more last thing. I had a parlay, player prop parlay, that Darrell Williams needed 10 yards on the third and 10, and he got it to win on the last carry of the game. So that was uh, uh, meant more to some than others, as Chris Fowler would, uh, would say there. But uh, what are your quick thoughts on the Super Bowl? Is this the same line, same total? What do you, what do you think? I think it's hard to see how anyone stopping Kansas City. Yeah, I would agree. I like I don't just want to say but it's I think it score points so fast. Yeah, that's the thing. Like like that's what I was saying, you know, they can flip the field on you and just like turn things around so quickly and before you blink, you know, they go from the 20 to the, to to the other side of the field on the 20 or they put 14 on you without you even realizing it. So it's it's going to be tough, you know, if if Tom Brady throws three picks in the Super Bowl, uh, I mean, you can put a ball on that thing real early. Yeah, I agree. But the Bucks defense, I'm looking forward to the Bucks defense has been playing fantastic. And like Devin White against Travis Kelsey, that should be a great matchup. That'd be a great matchup. Because the Bills were trying to put Tredavious White on him, that was not working. So maybe they have a linebacker that can somewhat slow down Kelsey. Like that should be a good matchup. Like the the Bucks defense has guys to make, but they can definitely get pressure on Mahomes. Um, so we'll have to see. But I think the Chiefs minus three, uh, pretty early on. That's that's where I'm leaning. Uh, yeah, that's where I'm leaning right now. Um, all right. The other big news of the weekend was the Conor McGregor fight. Did you watch the fight? I did. Figured you did. I watched it as well. Uh, he, I'm not a big MMA guy, but he got outclassed. I don't know about outclassed. He's, here's the thing. He didn't believe that the continued kicks to the calves were going to hurt him. And then his leg gave out and he couldn't stop a, a flurry of punches to the face. Yeah. I mean, he, he could not put any weight on that thing. We saw him walking out on crutches. Uh, but I think that's ultimately what ended him was those kicks to the sure. calf just over and over. Like you said, he couldn't move. He couldn't get out of the way because uh, he was backed up against the cage. Any other time he circles out of there and probably gets back to the center of the ring. Uh, but he just couldn't do anything. Uh, and it's, uh, you know, Poirier was was throwing some bombs and missing, and then he finally connects with one and it drops him. So uh, it was uh, the the first round. I think definitely had, I think he had to give to Connor. He looked good coming out, but then those like you said, I think he had eighteen or twenty of those kicks to his leg, and uh, in that short amount of time, you know, a round and a half. So you're looking like seven minutes. That's gonna wear it down real quick. And it, you know, they're not just little kicks. Like those those were some bombs. Uh, so, uh, you know, a tough, tough look for Connor, you know, the, uh, his fight, a couple of couple fights ago with those shoulder against Cerrone with those shoulder punches. Uh, I don't think Cerrone saw that coming. I don't think Connor saw these calf kicks coming and that ultimately, uh, was what did him in. And you could see the leg just getting redder and redder. Yeah. Like I was watching by myself and I said, I said to myself, I was like, he's got to like, 
does he realize that his leg is like red? Like, what is he doing? <laughs> like, I don't want, I'm not a big MMA or boxing guy, but like, you can see his leg is getting redder and redder. Like, that is going to be an issue. Yeah. And I mean, you heard him after the fight say when he was on the laying down on the cage or laying up against the cage. He was like, I can't, like, my leg, I can't put any, yeah, any weight on it. But, and then it finally took long enough for the announcer to say, like, hey, his leg is really red. And I was like, about time you mentioned it. Like, this is going to be a problem. The whole Connor thing is, like, obviously he's the biggest draw in the UFC, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, but where does he go? Like, he's just some, like, his, I think the aura of McGregor is gone after that fight. Wouldn't mm -hmm. you say? Maybe it took something of the, out of the, after he lost to Habib or Khabib, whatever his name is. But, like, you lose to the Poirier. Like, I guess he's a pretty good fighter. I don't know. Obviously, yeah, he is, he's really good. He's, obviously, he's really good if he's second in the in the class. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, the, yeah, the winner of this was going to go for the belt. So, he's sure. obviously, he's a good guy. For sure. He's obviously a good fighter. But, like, you're, you've built this aura of yourself of, like, hey, I'm calling my knockouts in the first round and blah, 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 this and that. And then you just, you're just getting beat. Like, you got outclassed by Khabib, and then you got you, you got knocked out against Poirier in the second round in a fight that you were a heavy favorite in too. It wasn't like, oh, this is a toss up. This could go either way. Like you're a heavy, a heavy favorite, and most people thought you should have won. Yeah, I mean, they always say you know, hungry dogs run faster, and and uh, Connor is very fat and happy right now as far as all the money he's made, everything he's doing outside the octagon. Even Dana White said that in the post game or the post fight press conference, um, and I think that has a lot to do with it. Uh, you know, Poirier, he's the guy; he's trying to make a, a name for himself, or he, I mean, he's made a name for himself, but he's trying to go get that belt. He's trying to get to that level that Connor's at. Uh, you know, whether that's attainable or not, that's, you know, neither here nor there, but that's where he's trying to get. So, uh, you know, when you have a little bit more to lose and a little bit more to fight for, that's the guy that I, you know, I think you got to put the money on. And that's definitely Poirier in this, in this instance, uh, Connor says he wants to, you know, he wants the rubber match. He wants a third match. Uh, I'll be, I mean, I'll probably tune in for that. Not probably. I will tune in for that. Um, anytime Connor fights, it's a must watch cause you don't know what's going to happen. Sure. But I do agree that some of that Conor McGregor luster is kind of fading very, very fast. And again, I'm not blaming him. Go get your money. Go secure the bag. Like, do whatever you got to do to make some money. But it's, it almost seems like that this fight, to me, it seems like this was like um, a, just, a, hey, I got to do this to make some, like a second, not his main priority. Does that make sense? You you don't think this fight was his main priority? Yeah, he's just worried about like other stuff. Oh yeah, like, for sure, for sure. Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Like you know, that's why I said sure. you know the hungry dog runs faster, yeah. and that's why that's why I think Poirier came out the way he did, and McGregor didn't look as fierce as he usually does. And maybe this will light a fire under himself because now everyone is embarrassed, or maybe maybe he comes out hungrier because he embarrassed himself. Yeah. And he needs to get the reputation back. I just think he should fight the Paul brothers. Who cares? <laughs> like seriously, whatever, who cares? If you're all if you're in it for making money and making a ton of cash, like go fight them. Who who cares? Whatever. Yeah. But why would why would he why would he lower himself to fighting the Paul brothers who the dude just knocked out Nate Robinson. And I know he is training to be like a professional boxer or something, but the dude knocks out Nate Robinson and then he wants to fight McGregor, like a pretty, um, just hey, credit to him for trying to secure the bag too.
Yeah, absolutely. Um, but uh, but yeah, that was uh, good. Th- I'll say good thing the the co-main event ended in a first round knockout. I did not want to watch those guys fight for fifteen minutes before the McGregor fight started. So I got to ask you did you did you did you buy this? Oh, okay. Did you? No. Yeah. No. Yeah, my I, buddy, I, my my buddy texts me at like like five thirty or six. Uh, he lives down the road, and we usually we whether it's a big boxing match because he's yeah. a big boxing guy or or an MMA uh, fight. We always get together and watch it. And he texts me, and he's like, "Hey man, you're running out of time to invite me over to watch this fight," yeah. <laughs> which I thought was pretty funny. But uh, I was like, "Look, man, like I really only care. Like I looked at the card, and I was like, I really only care to watch the McGregor fight. And I'm not trying to drop sixty or eighty bucks to watch this to watch one fight." Um, so I was like, I'm probably going to find a stream somewhere. I know Dana White kind of threatened everybody with that. Um, of, you know, Hey, just watch what happens if you try to illegally stream this. My stream was working perfectly while meanwhile, ESPN plus crashed uh, while everyone was trying to switch over from the prelims to the main card. But, uh, I was like, you know what, you know what ESPN and the UFC should do is they should have like a pay per match package. You know what I mean? Like if you want to watch like the last two fights, you pay like yeah. 40 bucks. You only want to watch the main event, pay 25 bucks. You know what I mean? Like you probably make a little bit more money that way uh, from people that are, that only care about watching that last, that last main event. Cause that's the only one I was really cared. Like I said, the only one I cared to watch. And so uh, we, uh, we made it work. Yeah. That's a good idea. That's a good idea. Um, the ESPN app might be the worst app out there. It, not it's, only is it oh, not not because of Saturday night, but in general, to get a video to start, you have to refresh. I was gonna the say the stability. The stability of it sucks. So bad. It's such a bad app. Oh yeah, God, it's atrocious. No, it agree. Is such a bad app. It's. I'm not stunned that they had ESPN. I was laughing when they when it was found out that they had, um, when they had problems with ESPN Plus. Because I was like, well, Dana, that's on you for not uh, – uh, that's on you for, for taking a shot at the streamers out there. Yeah. And this is this is karma. This is, this is anonymous coming for you. And this is <laughs> karma shutting you, having problems with some people. Yeah. Um, so, uh, um, so, yeah, that's, that's it. All right. Well, stars talk. The stars – 2-1-0 on the young season, two wins against uh two wins against Nashville. And uh they've scored eight power play goals in two games. That's tied for the NHL record in their two games. Pavel they won seven and opening night. Uh Pavelski, Joe Pavelski, he had, Joe Pavelski is now a friend of the show. Um you see him out on the on the links? You see him out on the links all the time. Probably not. Not that much recently, but when they got back from the bubble, saw him out on the links all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, super nice guy. Super nice guy. He's got seven points, three goals, four assists. He's looking fantastic. The whole offense is looking fantastic. One of the things was the power play last year for the Stars. Not very good at times. Power play's off to a fantastic start. They got a like Sagan. No, who knows when Sagan's coming back? Because he had a torn labrum in his hip, so he's out. Ben Bishop also had surgery. Don't know when he's going to come back. But uh, look, obviously could, can't get any worse for the Stars after a two and zero start, and the offense was uh, was uh, was humming. The guy I've mentioned him last year, Dennis Gurionov. That guy as another another winger addition last year as a rookie. He is great offensively. He is. He is, he is a he's fantastic. 
Yeah, I got to be honest. I didn't watch uh, either of these two games. I did have the over in the first game. Uh, I figured the guys would come out firing. Um, and they did, thankfully. Uh, like I said, I put up a touchdown on on uh, Nashville. But, uh, yeah, it looks like the boys are buzzing early. I watched the, pretty much the whole first and second, second and third period of the first game. And then last night I watched the third period. Um, yeah, no, they're looking pretty good. Uh, Ryan, am I not wrong about the hockey overs? You well, last night they were a little tough, uh, but everybody every, in general, no, in general, in general, I think on, on Saturday they went five for five, I believe. Yes, they did, they did, yeah. No, that was that was a great call by you. I've been riding them, uh, hot, and uh, like I said, last night I missed a couple, but uh, you know, you can't expect to hit uh, hit a thousand percent. Oh, the, right, Vegas, you know. the Vegas, uh, that I, 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 I put the mortgage terrible. on that one. I put the mortgage on that one because I was like, buddy, this is going to go way over. And let me tell you, but they, they scored one goal. It was 1-0. Yeah, and Vegas scored with uh, 55 seconds left in the third period. Yeah. Horrendous. Horrendous. Um, there are teams, though, I think you have to – again, I'm trying to figure out what teams are the under teams. There are some teams I think you have to be wor- – the, the problem is when is Vegas going to want to – they're like – Six and a half. When are they going to start setting every over at like six and a half? Yeah, no, like I agree. Got to start figuring it out. Like, like if if an over is at six and a half, I think I might. You might balk at that a little bit, yeah. Yeah, but if it's at six, five and a half, I'd have to look at the look at the scoring how the team goes. But like six, I'm I'm in. Like Penguins Bruins tomorrow night. Give me that at six. I might, I talk to myself about six and a half. I might take Rangers and Sabres. They, I got to look at the Rangers goal scoring, but the Sabres seem to give up a lot of goals. Flyers, like, Devils, I think is a good one. Yeah, that's five and a half. Um, Capitals, Islanders. The Well, the problem with the Caps is they have a bunch, all their Russians are out um, due to, uh, due to the Rona. But uh, yeah, the overs, I got to, you got to wonder when Vegas is going to start seeing that the overs are, uh, um, when they're going to start bumping all of them up to like six and a half or something. Yeah. Yeah. The Kings Only- wild looks ju- is juicy. Um, but the, so you're saying you're looking for teams. The flyers are one for me, uh, that I, I always take a look at first. The Kings are as well as the ducks and the, uh, and the golden Knights, the golden Knights. Are, I, the, the capitals have been a team for me. Yeah. Um, and then the King, did you say the Kings? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The Kings, um, I think the Maple Leafs, once they get Austin Matthews back, should probably be an over team. But uh, yeah, I I agree with those. Uh, I like Blues Blues Knights. Oh, that seems over six tomorrow night. That seems like a tasty. Uh, seems like a tasty one there. Yeah. Uh, you have anything else you want to touch on before? I do. I do. Um, big shout out to Siwoo Kim. Oh <laughs> yeah. Why did you yeah. bet him? I did because uh, my buddy that I coach with and that I work with. Free tournament? Uh, what's that? Tournament? Say that. Uh, you cut out. Say that again. Was he, did you bet him pre-tournament or just no, on I'm, Sunday? Just on Sunday okay. um, because, my, like I said, my buddy that I coach with and that I, that I work with in baseball, his cousin is, is Siwo Kim's caddy. And so, uh, and so he was like, hey, man, you know, take a look at him. I think he was plus 250 or plus 300 um saturday night so i was like let's do it let's ride and uh sure enough he he held on for the win 
I almost sprinkled Cantley, who was like plus 2,500 on Saturday. And let me tell you, when I saw that pushing towards the end, I was like, holy shit, I should have pulled the trigger on that. But but Siwoo Kim holds on to it. And uh, so, yeah, I wanted to send a, a little shout out his way. Well, how about this? So my dad and I are in a fantasy golf thing this year. First time we've done it. Uh-huh. It's it's I think there's a lot of these out there, but it's you pick one golfer each week. And once you use them, you can't use them ever again. Yeah, the whole season like a survivor pick. Yeah, a, a golf survivor thing. So we are not off to a good start. Too. We have and 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 it's not of you need the winner. It's just total money. Huh. So just whatever the guy earns is to your team, and whoever at the end like it's just a moneyless type of deal. So do you? So let me ask you real quick before you go. So is a strategy to pick guys in the bigger tournaments, right? Because their money's going to obviously be a little bit higher. Yeah, so like DJ will probably pick him in the major. Right. Or like Justin Thomas will pick him in a WGC or a major or the FedEx Cup just because the money is more. Um, so the first week we had Abe Answer, who was like 40 to 1 uh, pre tournament. And course profile for him was good putter, good ball striker. This is good for him. He misses on the cut, misses the cut on the number. We're like, okay. We would have probably taken Abe again. Like there were a couple other guys, Charles Howell the third, we probably should have taken because he doesn't miss a cut there just to get some money on the board. But that's whatever. That's fine. And we were probably never going to take Charles Howell the third in another tournament, but whatever. So yes, this past week, we were deciding between Scotty Scheffler and Cantley. Scheffler played well in Hawaii, had a week off at the Sony, and he almost won the event last year. And we're like, all right. Well, my dad's like, we should take Scotty or Cantley. And I was like, you could pick whoever. I was like, I think Scotty's going to play probably a little better than Cantley, Cantley's first time of the season. But whatever, whoever you decide, we'll go with. Who do you think we went with? You went with Scotty. Yeah, you know what Scotty Scheffler did? No, I do not. Missed the cut. Oof. He birdied his first two holes on Thursday and shot like three under, was in the cut. The cut line was four under, shot two under, whatever. Needed to shoot two under on the easiest course there, shoots one under, was three under through his first eight holes on Friday, and then bogeys nine, bogeys ten. Just needs one birdie coming in the rest of the nine to make the cut, and he pars eight in a row. So we're 0 for 2 on cuts made. That's hard to do. Yeah. So we are we're we're searching early on. That yeah, that's tough. That's tough. That that's that, I mean that whole thing in general. That's that's pretty tough. Yeah, but it's it's fun. We're obviously oh, for sure. To, yeah, we're hopefully we're hopefully. And the thing too is like this past week for handicapping it. Like if you read the golf betters or the guys that we follow that are golf betters that like the people that have won this tournament, it hasn't been like. Oh, guys that are normally like 20 to 1 to 40 to 1. These guys usually win someone in here. It's been 100 to 1, 150 to 1 that have won this tournament the past like five out of seven years or something. Like it's other than John Rahm winning it two years ago, not a lot of favorites have performed well here. So it's, uh, yeah, this was a tough one because Cantley, I mean, he got second. That would have been a nice some nice paychecks. Yeah, absolutely. And and also the thing is you want to pick a winner. Like I wonder how many people pick Siwoo Kim. Probably not 
any, if not a lot? I might have been one or two because I think he played well last week. But it's like not a, not a lot of people at all picked him. And you're trying to get the guys that you want a winner like Sibu Kim of. You're one of ten people that picked them. Right. So you could skyrocket up. To, like at the Masters, if we – well, I don't know. Justin, If we take Justin Thomas – how many people are going to take JT? You're just doing it for to get some money on the like. It's not. Yeah, you're, you win, seeing, you're, you're trying to see the bucket go through the or see the ball go through the hoop. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're trying to see the ball go through the hoop right now. So <laughs> that's what we thought we we're doing with Scotty. Just get him on the board. Just get some get some money on the board. But yeah. it's like, hey, we need we we can't lose ground here. It's like in DraftKings, you know, when you get a guy that's got like one percent ownership. Yeah. You need the hail the home run hitter or yeah. just the hail mary that guy. And he goes off, then you just skyrocket. That's what you need probably twice. Mm-hmm. You need that guy to get like a top five twice. Because I think top 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 fives in the tour, you're getting 400,000 at least. Second place, I think it's like 800,000 now. Yeah. It's like a solo second. It's pretty crazy. But uh, all right, I think that's a good place to stop unless you have anything else. No, that's it. That's all I got. All right, we'll stop right there. We'll pick back up on Thursday and uh, talk to you guys then.